0: or this event's probably making so much stupid money and and uh and that's great and all but at the end of the day like i think for an event like this you're going to have to convince a lot of these people to come back next year because they're going to leave and be like wow this was really awesome but do they leave and say like wow that was the greatest experience that i've ever gotten to have be and that's what i'm always looking for i want it to feel personal
1: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I got a special one for you guys today. I've got the wizard behind the curtain is what I'm going to call him here. Tyler Dozier, founder of TD Consulting and Creative Events, he's crafted over eleven hundred live events and worked with some of the biggest names in the industry. Tyler, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me, sir. How are you? Good, I'm good, man. Uh, I'm glad to have you on. But I was checking out your social media a little bit, and I noticed that um, you play ball. I mean, I know like we've talked about it before. We've never gotten to play together, but your team won the of the championship for the men's league. Yes, sir, dude. That Dallas league is um,
0: is a different ball game than this other one that I'm in. I'm in a couple uh-huh. of them, but we try to stay active, dude. And uh, this other league, we just won on Sunday, but it's been a different story. We went undefeated in the Dallas league, and this uh-huh. other one, we're like fighting every single week. It's, it's <laughs> uh, happy out there, so we're not as quite the uh, undefeated, you know, we've got the, the 500 record right now still
1: uh-huh.
0: pushing for playoffs, but you know,
1: it, it is dude, what it is. I saw that picture and I was like, every one of those guys is like six foot three. You know what I mean? Like freaking, it's not your normal men's league. I can already tell. Like, No, dude, I go out there
0: and people do not like me in those leagues because mm-hmm. I play hard defense and I'm like pressing you like yeah. as soon as you pass half court and uh, so I'm the scrappy dude that they end up like seeing the smallest guy on the court and they end up pushing me around a little bit, but
1: you know, I was going to say us a, a short guys got to have an edge, man. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do a little bit here and there just to try and, you know, get a little bit into their heads, you know, like yeah. maybe a tuck on the Jersey as yeah. they're going around a screen or something, or just kind of talking to them throughout. But uh, I have to, I have to do something when everyone on the court is, at least four inches taller than me. so.
1: Absolutely. So we met, and you probably don't even remember, because this was like the biggest, well, one of the biggest events you ever did at the time. We we met at MDM 21, right? And so I had gotten a VIP ticket or something like that. So there was this Q&A that was happening, and y'all had like a little mixer going on in the background and everything and y'all had these audio issues like crazy, right? And so like, that was the first time me and you met and you're like fucking trying to fix these audio issues. And of course <laughs> it's provided by the event center, you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> this crappy audio. And, yeah. um, but yeah, that was, the, that was the first time we had met. And I think that was the first time like you got the reins for an event like that. And I mean, other than, you know, the Q and A, like everything just went freaking amazingly and i was like man this dude's young like he's running this whole damn thing like this is a multi-million dollar event you know and so that was the first time we met and then after that it was flying fridays and right. you know the uh the trips and uh cabo uh tyler if you guys don't know this and you've seen some of the pictures from my engagement uh tyler arranged that he put all that together you know I'm saying <laughs> it's because And I know I'm talking a lot here, but I got a lot to say about Tyler because, like, (laughs) freaking, he was a part of that, which is massive. So, like, I reach out to him before, okay. So, we're, you know, we're taking this trip to Cabo. It's a mastermind event. We're, we're doing the private jet thing, and I'm taking my wife and everything. And I decide on this trip, I'm going to re propose to her. Right. So, if you know my story, uh, we just got remarried about a year ago. And so I reached out to Tyler and I'm like, hey, Tyler, I just want to let you know me and my wife are going to dip out at dinner because we're going to uh, I'm going to take her to the beach and I'm going to repropose to her. It's just going to be something special for me and her. And of course, Tyler's like, give me one second. And then he came back a couple of minutes later on the message and he was like, no, nah, we got it. Don't worry about it. We're taking care of everything. And I'm like, what? I make it special, it was, man. It was it was fucking magical, straight up. It was just freaking magical. Like I got on one knee, there's sparks going everywhere. I mean, it's like a damn Disney movie Cabo in the background. I mean, it was amazing, dude. I appreciate you so much for that. I had like, you know, I was making my notes for the show and I didn't even think to bring that up. But now that we're talking, I'm like, shit, I got to talk about that for sure. Dude, it was one of my favorite things that I've ever gotten to kind of create, create and craft.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, honestly, the conversation was like, well, he wants to, like he said, like, you know, it doesn't have to be a thing we can walk off and I can propose. I just wanted y'all to
1: know why we left. Right. (laughs) Right.
0: I was like, you know what? Like if there's a way that we can make this a more special moment for him, I was Mm -hmm. like, let's try and do it. And so I kind of talked to, um, Stuman in the process and, you know, Mm -hmm. it was like, Hey, would this like eat into anything that we're doing? And he was like, no, not really. And then Thomas Keenan kind of gave that green light too, where he's like, Mm -hmm. go for it. Like, make it happen. And so, um, working with some people in Cabo, yeah, we were able to get like the rose petals with the candles and the sparks. And, um, you know, I think the whole thing went really well. You had a whole lot of people that like Zach Sasser and some of these guys that knew that it was going to be happening. And so I kind of coordinated with them to make sure, all right, as Doug, uh, as they go up the stairs, we're going to hold everyone back a little bit so that they can have their moment walking up. And we'll follow there shortly after, so that we can see, you know, the drop to the knee and everything. And uh, it was cool, man. It was, it was uh, one of, like I said, one of my favorite things that I've ever gotten to put together.
1: Yeah, even if she wanted to say no, she couldn't. That was too <laughs> badass. <laughs> That's always the goal, right? Yeah. Just make it for them to say no. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome, man. So let me ask you this: When did you real, or when was your first live event? When did you um, like, do your first live event? okay so so
0: the first thing i ever like first real experience in this was actually when i was like making music so funny backstory of me is that i used to make hip-hop music and everything and so um when i was in high school you know i think i was 15 years old was kind of the first show that we did in in deep elm which is like music capital of dallas right and uh and we did a show and you know it was seven people in the crowd and i get off stage like so much energy and anxiety bent up in me that I was just like, oh my gosh, like the rush of it was insane. And, uh, and then from there, you know, we got into a competition between uh, myself and like the person that I made music with versus another local um, some, some other local talent for um, an opening spot for big Sean. And so for big Sean, we had to basically (laughs) submit a video, And uh, this one dude, he like that we're going against puts together this music video, and it's very emotional and everything. And then it's two high school kids, like 16 years old at this point, kind of goofing around, like in our home studio and everything. And and we end up winning the competition. But because this company that we were doing this competition through, they're like, there's no way these 16-year-olds, we're going to let them like go in front of these thousands of people for Big Sean. And so they ended up giving it to the other person. They like disqualified us. Uh, and and we were like, we needed answers, answers. And so, uh, what happened was we were like, we're never going to let that happen again. And so we got with the people who put together these events and we said, Hey, let us help you out with these events. Let us, um, you know, let us sell some tickets or do this or that, like help market it. And we were in high school, so we had 3,000, you know, prime target, uh, uh, you know, audience members, you know, we had their avatar right there for hip hop concerts. And so we sold a bunch of tickets. And over time, they trusted us and allowed us to start, um, you know, performing and things like that. But that never happened. Uh, or I would have never gotten into events if I didn't right. get to see back end things and the things that had to go into putting the stuff together from the sales and marketing side of it, as well as the logistics of you know, um, your audio and visual and whatnot. And so I kind of started getting out to all those things. And so started in music, um, that eventually turned to like a uh, program directing for Christian ministry, doing kids' birthday parties, doing like parents' night outs where they basically, it's a date night and they drop off their 150 kids and we just wrangle cats or, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and eventually that turned into more corporate conference stuff. And, and now it's like, can do a little bit of everything i've i've gotten to see it all and so there's parallels on each of the things it's just figuring out uh the how on some of it now
1: so yeah okay so you covered a lot there so i'm gonna want yeah. to back us up a little bit here so were you a rapper or were you a producer like what were you doing here
0: yeah a little bit uh both uh <laughs> I played along with some around with some beat making definitely was on stage uh, i have some verses you will never get it out of me of where online oh, come in on the, in the, no <laughs> no shot will i uh divulge that information but it is still out there
1: i will say that um there is it's, it, it's my producer man Ryan. Yeah, he's a real producer. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, where all the the hidden spots are on the
0: web. Yeah, the band camps, the Reverb Nations, the SoundClouds, all those places. Oh, where he's was, giving uh, us hints. He's giving us hints right now. But yeah, but you know, you'll never get the name out of me. So it'll be tough. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a it, we we started in that, and you know, I was like long hair, beaver cut, looking looking kid. Um, mm-hmm. So just rocking the street clothes is a, a different time. And when I tell people that story, they're like, there's no way there's, they're like, that's not even you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was me. Now yeah, I just look did. like a rat bed over here half the time. But.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when you guys hear some background noise, understand that this is what Tyler does. He's at a live event right now and he, yes. he took some time out of his day to jump over to the corner and do this podcast with us. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I apology.
0: Yeah, apologize for some of that. I am a. They say I am. I'm the press today. I'm. I got my press pass. I'm nice. media. But but really, all I'm doing is just uh, uh, learning about this one event that we're at, um, okay. which is all in the crypto space, so that I can run a similar crypto event back in Dallas in November. So mm-hmm. it's a wow. recon day.
1: Oh, that's Awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah, and that that kind of goes into the the next piece, which is like, what does it take to run these events, right? So you, you, you had that first live event, which was, you know, self promoting, you know, your show. And then um, what about your favorite one? What's the favorite event that you've ever done? I would imagine it's not going to be like, necessarily the biggest one.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, the best one that I my favorite, at least um, was the whole music thing actually started for us. Like the only reason we started making music is because our freshman year of high school, one of our close friends, um, his name, Avery Littleton, um, we went on Christmas break and he actually overdosed. Um, and when that happened, we, uh, kind of didn't know at that time at 15 years old, um, we didn't know how to take that, like those feelings, those emotions, and actually talk about them. So we're like, let's put it in the music. And we ended up recording a song and uh, then putting it out there uh, onto Facebook. And we're like, you know, what, 2009 is probably about this time that this is going on. And and we say, hey, if this gets 100 likes, you know, we'll, we'll continue to make some stuff. And it gets well over that. And so we're like, all right, well, people seem to enjoy this. And uh, the reason I tell that story is because – About 500 days later after that, uh, after his death happened, Mm -hmm. we uh, ran an event that was completely put on by 17 year olds, Um, you know, from signing the contracts to finding the money, funding it all. We put together a um, a benefit concert or like a concert, a memorial concert uh, Mm -hmm. for everyone in our hometown, like the high school that we went to um, who had passed early, whether that be through drug overdose or car accident, things like that. And basically what we did is we put together concerts and then in between each uh, set or band or group that would perform, we would roll down the screen and we actually shot a whole bunch of media for it. So we would, you know, for Avery, for instance, we went to his family and his closest friends and... Um, we got pictures, you know, baby pictures and everything. And we put together this video where they kind of spoke on the impact that he had on his on on their lives and um and you know, getting to hear stories from uh, family and and seeing the baby pictures and everything. and and it was super emotional. And we took all of that money that we made from it and actually um, put together a scholarship fund. And with Avery having been a hockey player in our hometown um, to this day, you know, over ten years later, we uh, still run that that scholarship foundation every single year and we give it to a hockey player, um, you know, locally that plays for the high school and everything. And so that for me was like the actual impact um, that we were able to celebrate, you know, these people's lives and, and allow others to um, kind of create some closure in their own lives by by getting to tell some of these stories to a wider audience that, you know, they get to keep to themselves for so long but they don't get to really honor these people's lives um in the way that they did there and so for me top to bottom getting to put all that stuff together that was like something that I was really proud of because we were just a bunch of kids um but then it also still has impact and so for me it's a it was uh, my favorite definitely
1: was that kind of the moment when you knew like hey this is my shit right here like this is this is what I love
0: uh, you know I don't know that it was in that I'd be like, oh, putting together events is my thing. Right. But I definitely right. wanted to be like in entertainment. Um, I have no problem being in front of like a, a camera or having a microphone mm-hmm. in my hand and things like that, and so I enjoyed that aspect. But I did yeah. definitely nerd out on like the back end of like, what does this button do, and what is. When I click this, do these lights do this or that? And, like, how yeah. do we craft this together to put people almost through this emotional roller coaster? Because um, yeah, we yeah. wanted them to feel something, and we wanted them to gain something by the yeah. end of that event. And so it was definitely very cool. I don't think I really knew that I had a talent for it until mm-hmm. I started working with kids, and I could, like, really control the flow of things. And that took, like, 100-plus events before I was able to, to really feel like – all right, I'm good at this. Um, and even now, like the event I'm at right now, I'm like, there's so much I can take away from this and so much yeah. that I'm learning and, and uh, different ideas and ways to continue to be, um, you know, innovative. And, and so, you know, it's taken time and I still have so much to learn, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm
1: getting my feet under me for sure. <laughs> getting your feet under <laughs> you. Oh my gosh literally the best events i've been to you (laughs) ran man you're pretty good at this shit (laughs) there's Uh, always someone better man always oh yeah oh yeah i mean absolutely but i feel like you you got the goat status when it comes to the kids events for sure (laughs) and think about it like what's harder to hold the attention and coordinate and you know sheep herd and you know move kids around or adults you know yeah. so i feel like that's the training ground you know what i mean and then when the stakes Absolutely. are a lot higher you know it's like so much easier because like you're dealing with adults and they follow instructions and
0: you know they don't talk <laughs> sometimes,
1: what you talk sometimes entrepreneurs right? don't, yeah
0: entrepreneurs <laughs> don't
1: follow instructions you okay you're about? right <laughs> i was one of them going down the wrong day place. exactly yeah you said go <laughs> left and i went right
0: <laughs> now it's been- uh kids were definitely a great training ground. uh, Mm -hmm. For
1: sure. Yeah. No, I love it, man. So uh, when do you feel like and let's just kind of maybe stay in the entrepreneur space here? When do you feel like an entrepreneur should actually throw an event? Is there like, you know, a follower count? Is there an email list count? Is there, you know, to where it's actually going to be successful? When do you feel like that they should do that?
0: yeah um man I'm a little biased that I'm like you really don't need much right if I can mm-hmm. if I can have 10 people in a room there's a way for that to still be profitable if that's what you want if you want to raise money or if you want to raise awareness you can do that with any size of an audience you know right. and so I think a lot of people are like well how am I gonna get uh, you know a hundred people there or there were 300 people there and they're just mm-hmm. like well is it worth the hassle it's like Well, there is hassle when you're running a 500 person event, um, but you don't have to have that same level of hassle when it's 10 people in the room, you know, like I don't have to go to some hotel and deal with the, you know, the, the marked up prices and everything. It's like, why can't I do something in my living room? Why can't Mm -hmm. I go live on Facebook once a week and like have some, some sort of education here that I'm, or some value that I'm preaching to people. And as long as you build some sort of audience, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a big one. Um, I think an event is is great because as much as we can learn from trainings and from some of that value that I spit in a, in a live video and whatnot, it does mm-hmm. not match uh, getting people together face-to-face and creating like community and experiences together because um, I think a big part of, of events are the content, but I think even bigger than that is the experience and the connecting that you you create there. And so um, anytime, you know, we always say like you get the right people in the right place at the right time and the right things happen in your life. Well, you can have the right people, but if you don't ever get them in the right place or get them at the right time, then you're, you're lessening your impact. You're going to... Um, you know, minimize the the reach that you have and the impact that you can have on others' lives. So I'm always like, even if it's and you can say event is like, mm-hmm. you know, something huge production like this, but I call an event running a team training. Like whenever, you know, right. uh, at the company where it's like, we're doing a corporate staff outing. It's like, we have 15 staffers. That's an event, right? Yeah any time you just got to think of like logistics have a little bit of foresight in there and then Mm -hmm. have a a vision for what i want to get out of this and and you should be running an event you know always pouring into your people always creating uh some memories there along the way and and Mm -hmm. good memories and good training and great leadership and everything that leads to productive teams and teams that don't turn over and so i'm all about it um whether it be trying to branch into new audiences or just pouring back into the people that you already have around you in your circle.
1: I couldn't agree more. And when you were, when you were saying that, you know, a lot of things can be an event, it makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, when we started getting bigger and we started actually um, coordinating our sales meeting across multiple offices, you know, the, the managers will, would ask why they had to use this agenda or why they have to submit you know basically what content they were using in each different part of the meeting and now i'm realizing it's because we're essentially throwing in an event we got 20 salespeople in a room and we've got to engage them teach them and then also uh create an experience for them just like you said yep. and and we developed a structure in in order to do that and we executed it on a daily basis you know when you think about it it's like you're doing that every day it can get monotonous unless you rotate things in and out of that structure and you keep it fresh. Right. And so that was an incredibly important. when We were growing our offices and uh, running our sales meetings because at the end of the day, we met at the office for accountability purposes. And right. there's only so much product training, sales training, you know what I mean, that you can go over company news, competitions, numbers, all that stuff, you know, before it gets like they feel like they don't need to be there anymore. You know, right. But if you create an experience and, and you're 100 percent right, you know, we always talked about in apex executives our favorite thing was the breakout rooms you know when we got to actually like engage with each other and then we had somebody leading you know an expert leading the the facilitating the conversation that way if we needed to lean on the expert we could but if not we could learn from each other right that i think it's just like a deep and deep versus wide concept you know you go to an event with 300 people and you can go to that event and not talk to anyone but you can't yeah. go to an event with 10 people and not talk to someone somebody's gonna be like hey what are you what's your name what are you here for there's only 10 of us in this room let's get to know each other and then the nice. relationship, relationships get super deep yeah. so that's one thing that i've been thinking about here in my in san antonio locally one we've gotten a lot of apex and rbo people here now and so um but there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that don't even understand vas or um eos or all these things that we get taught constantly You know what I'm saying? Leveraging your time, time blocking, like all these things that they could go from 100 grand to 200 grand with. And uh, if I could just throw a 10 person event in my office here, I think that would be something special. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I like what
0: you said. You said like uh, an event that's wide versus deep. And like Mm -hmm. right now, that's one of the things that I'm seeing actually with the event that I'm currently at is that like this room is so massive it's at a convention center it's this whole huge (laughs) expo hall you probably have vendor wise like maybe 150 in there but then they've got like multiple networking lounges and you've got podcast studios in there and you've got you know coindesk.tv and you've got six different stages and i'm looking at it and i'm like for somebody that, one, I don't speak the language that these people are speaking right. when it comes to DeFi, Web3, all this developer stuff. Like, I, it's just, that's not the world that I've been brought up in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that there's a little bit of disconnect for me, but just experience walking in, you're like, wow, even if I did speak this language, how could you not be overwhelmed by some of this stuff? And I feel like what happens on some of these stages is, you know, you've got 200 chairs there but only 40 people are in that on that stage because you've got another 500 at the main stage and, yeah. out of that 1,000 chairs and things like that. And what happens is they start, the content almost mimics that, where the content says, this feels like a canned mm-hmm. Q&A. Everyone, you already know what question's coming. You know your canned answer and everything. And so mm-hmm. the experience that they're having is this, uh, you're talking at me, you're not talking to me. It doesn't right. feel so personal. And so those are the things I'm looking at that these people that are here, this money is probably making so much stupid money uh, uh, or this event's probably making so much stupid money and and uh, and that's great and all. But at the end of the day, like I think for an event like this, you're going to have to convince a lot of these people to come back next year because yeah. they're going to leave and be like, wow, this was really awesome. But do they leave and say like, wow, that was the greatest experience that I've ever gotten to have. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm always looking for. I want it to feel personal. That's why we put in things like those breakout sessions and whatnot, yeah. whereas like, it was real easy for things to be to be personal when there was 80 people in the room, 40 people in the room, 100 mm-hmm. people in the room even. But once it starts getting to that 120, 150, you know, how do I now make this to where people can actually connect? And so um, that's a big takeaway of what I have right now. And and so I'm always looking for different experiences. And I think a lot of that, uh, that mindset for me has started because of starting out in small rooms, kind of like what you had mentioned of there's only 10 people in this room and, you know, in in this event. And, and I liked that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've tried to carry that over regardless if it's a, 5,000 person event, 15,000 person event, your festival or whatever, find ways to make it personal. So that was me rambling a little
1: bit there. Yeah, no, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, you know, there's a correlation between that and social media in my mind, because, you know, when I first started out, you know, building, building my machine, like we do in Apex, right? When I first started out doing that, I was just like, man, I'm not making any headway, you know, I'm not, increasing my follower count i'm not getting all the likes you know and of course there's there's a, a natural build up to that and then when i realized after about 18 months into it i was like man but everybody that's following me are my people that want to follow me you know what i'm saying they're not following me because i put some gimmick out there they're not following me because i have a nice sports car <laughs> you know what I'm saying and they want a nice sports car you know they're following me because they're interested in building sales team they're interested in consulting because they're interested in me as a dad or as a husband right you know and and they're specifically following me for those reasons and so my following is deep versus why like we talked about Correct. earlier a little bit so i think that's incredibly important and i think if you have that kind of following your events should mimic that a little bit you know I, yeah. when we first talked <clears throat> I had hired you to uh, consult me for an hour, and when we when we talked, I was you know all about that smaller event because I I wanted it to be kind of workshop style, right? To where you could go home with an action plan on how you were going to either scale your sales team or build a brand new one, right? You know, and when when you can do that, and they have another event next year, it's like wow! I just kind of took away the entry level stuff, and now I can go back for the two point oh, the three yeah. and so on and so forth, you know. That's if that's what you want to do. It may just be the lead into your, your funnel, I guess you could say. Yeah. And if
0: the, if the event is like, if you're the star of that show, you know, people are already showing up for you and access to you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you start out and, you know, you've got this audience, but you have this 300 person event and they don't have access to you, then they may get a lot of value out of the event. But did they show up or did they receive what they showed up for? Um, mm-hmm. and, and the answer isn't always yes to that. And so for, you know, I hear I used to hear all the time that like when it was the 12 person room of the Apex executives and they're like, oh, the good old days where they just go around the table and one by one, like yeah. war room this and, and figure out, you know, here's my big hairy problem and they'd solve it right then and there. And uh, and so, you know, so many people think I have to have this huge extravagant event. But honestly sometimes the biggest impact happens in those small folks, mm-hmm. and so i'm i'm all about it man i i'm in, i think we're in total agreement right here so
1: absolutely brother okay so if someone is running their first fit event how do you i guess what's the the playbook you know and in, in in my mind it's kind of like it works like a company you've got these different divisions you know audio visual sponsors right. you know um the layout of the room, you know, and I'm sure there's so much more the presentations, you know, right. So there's all these yeah. little departments that you got to coordinate, but you don't coordinate them out over a year. You coordinate them out over like four hours or eight hours or two yeah. days. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It stays pretty fluid. So I wish I could say like, oh, the first time that, you know, we make a decision on something, it just stays as that. But, um, you know, in the events world, everything kind of just uh, comes at you when you're you're at the mercy at times of some of the people that you're working with whether that is uh, an av company that is already running 10 different projects or or mm-hmm. you know your talent management you whoever your talent is like they're busy running a business and so getting their slides on time can be difficult or you know there's there's a lot that goes into that but the first thing that i have to always figure out when i'm going into these is what is the vision of the the event. What are we trying to get out of this? And I always mm-hmm. say, are you raising money or are you raising awareness? Like, do I want to come in here and do I want to raise money on the front end, or do I want to break even on the front end, or am I okay losing money on the front end because I've got an irresistible offer on the back end that's going mm-hmm. to sell and make my money there? Am I trying to just raise awareness for some of the stuff where, um, you know hey, I'm my name's Google over here, and Google is okay spending $15 million in production because they know that at the end of the day, there's going to have thousands of people showing up to their event, and it is still, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is sponsored by or presented by Google, and it's like brand awareness, the impressions and the things that they create there, they understand the value in just the brand awareness there and keep mm-hmm. pushing Towards that, you know, whenever everyone's saying like, "What's the best event you went to?" and they keep dropping Google's names, you know, over time that does some sort of subliminal marketing for them. And so, yeah. um, you've got to figure out that vision. And once you do that, then you start jumping into the weeds of uh, what's the event date, and you're looking at, you know, what's going on in or where's where am I doing this event? Like city location wise, it doesn't have to get as specific as I'm doing it at this hotel because. You know sometimes what i see for a lot of people running events is they say i want to do it at this of uh, this venue well, what happens is that almost bottlenecks them a- into um you're at the mercy of you know well the only event weekend that's open right now is july 4th weekend it's like mm-hmm.
1: well,
0: i'm not going to get people open you know, or people to show up for that people are with families they're on summer vacation whatever it is it's like you've got to know general area city and whatnot figure out that location and then find a date and then uh kind of reverse engineer from there so like if i know this is a prime date that there's not a lot of stuff going on there's nothing else in this city going on you know i'm not Mm -hmm. running oktoberfest at the same time as my event well then i can from there you know say um okay i've got my date now let's go look at all the prospecting you know, prospecting uh, uh, venues and then figure out what's the best deal for me. What form is going to fit the functionality that we have what's going to be the most cost effective and things like that and so vision first and then really date and location and then we dwindle down into like your event master plan of okay this is the flow i wanted to go through i want you know someone really hot right after uh, uh, lunch so that we can mm-hmm. keep them awake. i need a crazy keynote i need this type of experience you know for people to have throughout i need them to have this type of food and all of those other details. Um, mm-hmm. I and mean, from there, like just managing your sponsors or your vendors and things like that, that's all just, um, nuanced stuff that you don't absolutely have to do. Like you don't need to have, um, a photographer doing headshots there or, or somebody that's in charge of, you know, uh, your, your food and beverage, like you don't need to have a food court here or something. you could just do food Uh, trucks and let them figure that stuff out. Or you might be at the mercy of a food and beverage minimum. Like there's a bunch of different things that, that there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, but Mm -hmm. just make it work for what's going to go with your vision. If your vision says this, then keep pushing towards that vision and don't lose sight of that in your planning process.
1: Now that makes a lot of sense. And thank you for breaking all of that down for us. I mean, yeah. it's a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially if
1: you're running a full scale event, right? And then obviously as right. it gets smaller and make it a little easier with that type of stuff. So when you look at selling at events, right? So let's just say you need to you need to break even on the tickets and you need to make money at the event selling the the upsell, I guess you could say, how have you seen that done best? Is it the QR code behind the keynote? Is it, you know the the booth at the event that everybody walks by you know where do you feel like and how do you position that offer when it's it's in the event and you need them to to sign up there
0: yeah so i think um just like any sort of sales and marketing um things evolve over time right so Mm -hmm. like the type of copywriting that i do in an email 10 years ago is not what converts today and necessarily and there's some stuff that's tried and true and it does work But is it as um, efficient or as effective as it used to be? And so for me, the one that I hate is the, if you go to the back of the room right now, there's this person there and they're going to be able, you know, they'll take care of you, blah, 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 like that sales pitch. Create the rush. Yeah, Yeah. create the rush. I don't like because Mm -hmm. I'm for one also like if I'm going to give you my money and you're telling me like, okay, for us to receive your money, you need to go stand in line over there just kind of awkwardly in this like pool of 20 people stand there and hope that one of our sales reps uh, can come over there and talk to you and answer the questions. Like they're actually going to sell me. They're not going to just be an order taker and be like, all right, give me your credit card. Like, okay, I'm I'm 90% sure I want to buy this, but I need you to answer some questions. If you don't have time to do that, for me because there's just a rush of people then Mm -hmm. it's not very effective right or or efficient for that matter and so um i do like the sponsor booths like that are in foot traffic getting Mm -hmm. in there and having something at that booth that brings people throughout those days like to you what stands out what makes y'all a little bit different like for you for instance you know you had um the the energy drinks or Mm -hmm. even having like your mobile podcasting booth that's all great lead gen right there and those are great ways to create conversations where people like wow this is really good and like tell me more about argento or you know Mm -hmm. whatever that y'all are doing at that time so i really enjoy those um the QR code does work. It can be very effective if the person on stage is uh, likable. And so yeah. there are plenty of people that go up on stage that, you know, it's literally just a pitch. And mm-hmm. if you're just a suit and tie up there and you're like, all right, this might be doing more harm for your sales pitch than than good. But if you're going up there, you're free. You're, there's no pressure in it and everything. Um, I can, I've seen a lot of people do multi-millions of dollars from stage just doing that. The one that I actually really like is having something exclusive um, at your event and then making that part of your sales process. So um, mm-hmm. we always do tiered tickets. It doesn't matter if like I need to create some semblance of exclusivity at these events. So if that is, um, you know, I have a budget here, Get in, in camera, but uh, you know, but I want to do something that puts me over that budget. Well, instead of just having all these GA tickets here, you know, okay. let's create a VIP ticket and now I can actually achieve that and actually be profitable uh, of what that VIP experience was going to cost me. So, what does that VIP experience include? So, for instance, at MDM, what we did for David Goggins is like, oh you want to go see David Goggins, you want to do this Q&A, and you want to do this, you know, open or cash bar, whatever it was there, and hang out at, at the ballpark, and we do fireworks, and it's the most exclusive group, you know, like, there's a lot of money in this room, and everything like that, we said, the only way you can do this is if you're a part of Apex, and everyone's like, well, what about my wife, and it's like, well, are they a part of apex or like shit, I'll a 2500 $2, hundred dollar uh, membership yeah. right now so that they can be a part of that or um same idea for a lot of those people that you know it, that weren't in apex is like well i really want to see david goggins there's no way i can go to just about any event for 2500 dollars for three days to be able to have a conversation with david goggins and be able to mm-hmm. do some of these things like a lot of people can't buy that access alone, at, you know, for that price. And so they're like, they just play the logic out in their head and they say, all right, this kind of makes sense for me to spend this. And, you know, at that rate, not to give too much information away, but you mm-hmm. you have probably like a two to 5% chargeback on something like that, which yeah. that's, that's what you, you know, that's, that's some of the negative of it. But mm-hmm. if that 2%, you know, if, if my sales pitch from stage generated, $300,000. And now the one that includes some sort of exclusive experience, like the David Goggins thing, and that generates $3 million. It's like, well, I can, I can take that 2% uh, charge yeah. back and, and and
1: be all right. So that was such a cool experience too. like, I, I don't know that it gets better than that. And, and what I loved about it, and of course, I was handing out energy drinks and to the line was almost empty. You know what I mean? But right. Um, what I loved about it is he stayed like yeah. he stayed until the last person got a picture which was just mind-blowing to me you know and yeah. um that was just such a cool experience for the people that did join Apex at the time like that's their entry into Apex like, I gotta take a picture with David Goggins and 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 he, he he's gonna yell at
0: me for half an hour <laughs> right right he, and <laughs> he's awesome. one of those ones that he was like I'll sign you know I'll sign 100 books whatever so they got that <laughs> signed beforehand and, you know, working with him, the whole thing was like, there's, you can ask me anything you want. There's absolutely nothing off limits. Like, whereas Tom Brady, you know, working with him, it's like, that oh right, You need to, you need to submit all of your questions and these are the things he won't talk about. And then once you submit those, we'll then dwindle it down to the ones that we actually want to talk about. And then we'll give you the responses and everything And it's like, dude, I want, I don't want canned. I want yeah. real and authentic. And so, yeah. um, david was awesome because he was like you know they're shutting off the the ballpark lights and he's still around and everything and and even after the event i was like oh hey like we needed a couple more signed books and everything just because uh, we had made some promises and everything to a couple people and (laughs) a couple of our sales guys did and we're like well we're going to honor it and so i reach out to his wife jennifer and she's just like tell me how many you need and i'll ship them out like by the end of the week it like, it's like no one else does stuff like that. No one else is that uh, accommodating and and just open to, you know, whatever whatever is asked of them. And so, um, who, who you see in the podcasts and when you read in the books about Goggins is exactly who he is. And I could say the same thing about like ET as well. Is very much that that character at all times, and it was awesome to to work with those people.
1: No, I love it because I'm I'm actually uh, finishing up his book right now. Um, wow, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like never ten finished. hours. Yeah, never finished. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And he's talking about this rash that he got, and you know he had hamburger meat ass, and his wife was like <laughs> cleaning up his taint and all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I could see how nothing's you know off limits yeah, for limit. him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that's great. But yeah, when you run freaking 250 miles straight, like you know, staying late at an event. Come on. This is like, I'm just warming up. I'm going to go run a marathon after this.
0: Exactly, you know? dude. Wild. He, there, there's one thing I learned about that man. And as like as impressive as his resume is, it was, okay, you just taught me exactly what I don't want out of my life. Like, there's a level of almost insanity that mm-hmm. is coming coming out of that man and uh, respect no. to it. I'm like,
1: it's not, not going to be it's for the, me. It's the upper echelon. Of insanity. (laughs) Like he's. (laughs) That shit out. You know what I'm saying? He's there already. Yeah. All right, brother. So you recently. Well, I'm saying recently. But I don't know when you founded your events company. But I would imagine this is what you're doing full time now. And so. What is the plan with this company? You know. I guess what kind. You know. If somebody's interested in you running an event for them. Where do they need to be? You know. In terms of. Okay, how many people or what kind of budget? Like, what's your avatar for your company? Man,
0: um, when it comes to the event itself uh, or the Mm -hmm. events company itself, what I want to, um, the people I really want to work with are the people that are kind of open to ideas uh, and and open to some criticism, you know, of how they Mm -hmm. think things run. Uh, But when it comes to, like, this is what I need to run your event, honestly, not a whole lot. I'm very flexible when it comes to um, types of events. I like sticking around in this corporate area more so than, you know, the past having done weddings or doing, you know, oh, yeah, of stuff like I'm trying yeah. to stay away from that these days. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, you know, attendee a- a- account and whatnot, like I can run something as simple as 25 people and i can Mm -hmm. run something as as much as 5,000 people it just all depends on what time you know are you how much time are you going to give me to do some of this stuff because if you're like oh 5,000 person event i think i'm going to run it in three months i'm like yeah i'm not your guy because i'm not you're setting me up for failure so the biggest thing for me is like i'm open to um a lot of different types of events because and, and i'll just always be honest with you like if this is going to be a fit or if your expectations are realistic or not. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, the first thing I would say is just find me on socials, uh, Tyler Shane Dozier. So Shane, Mm -hmm. S-H-A-N-E, you can see in the bottom right, you know, the rest of my name, but, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and I just try to jump in and do discovery from there. It's like, okay, this is what that's going to entail. This is what that takes. Hey, like there've been calls and and people that I've consulted with where they're like, I want you to run this or that. And I'm, I get on the call with them. And I'm like, Hey, honestly, for what you're wanting, like, let me connect you with somebody else or let me, uh, or, or you can do this and this and basically the rest of it, you can run on your own, like without having to pay what my fee would be. And, right. uh, and so, you know, I want to help people first and foremost and make sure that they don't have to deal with some of the heartaches and the things that I've had to deal with over the years from different contracts or some of the the things that have gone wrong in in the (laughs) events that I've run. And so, um, you know, if if you're ever wanting to do something with me, I just say, hey, reach out and let's have a conversation, no pressure or anything like that. Right. I just want to figure out what is it that you're wanting to do? And then here, have you thought about this? Let me throw some ideas at you. And if it's a fit, we go from there. And uh, and and yeah, man, I love, I love the small events. I love the big events. I love anything that it just feels like at the end of it, we're actually trying to help people. I don't just want to bring people together and be like, all right, we're just, you know, trying to sell something
1: yeah Yeah,
0: like i really want the people to leave and be like that was one of the best days of my life and Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of always my goal there and so if there's a way that we can achieve that um let me help you be profitable in the process
1: so i think there's three major things there you got to understand when you hire tyler one or his company he's an artist okay so there's an art to this don't fuck with his art (laughs) you know (laughs) what i mean two um You're going to, uh, oh, shoot. Oh, he's done it. (laughs) It's the biggest difference, right? A lot of people haven't scaled to a 1,000-person event, a 2,000, a 3,000, a 4,000, 5,000. Tyler's done all that. So he's gonna bring all that experience to it. And I think three is the most important. Like, you're not gonna take a job for the money. You know what I'm saying? Just for the money, right? You're gonna take a job because you believe that you can execute well on it. And if you can't, then you're gonna be a connector. And you know yep. what the reciprocity is with that, you know, one the uh prospect is going to appreciate that because you didn't just tell them what they needed to hear to get a paycheck, you know, and then uh two, the person that you're sending it to, whether they're at a tier lower or a tier above, like they're gonna send you business right back based on Absolutely. the same standards. So no, I Absolutely. think that's all okay. all right, last question gets a little deeper. Yep. What is legacy, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind?
0: Ooh, uh, legacy, man, what does it mean to me? Um, honestly, like, it's, it's what you're going to be remembered by or for and and the, the person that you're going to be remembered as when you're gone. And for me, the person that, you know, I want to be when I or that I want to be remembered as is that person that um, served first and like loved really big, right? When it comes to <laughs> my friends, groups, my family, um, relationships and everything there. Uh, I'm always like the the connector or I try to be like the glue of a lot of these uh, friend groups and whatnot. Like for instance, right now, I currently run every Friday um, at my place. I get together our group of 10 friends uh, with the goal of just getting to know each other a little bit deeper. We all work out together already. We go to the bars you know, or we go to dinner or something like that uh, is, is kind of what we've always done. But I was like, let's put this in a setting inside my house with the actual, um, the goal of talking about the things that we really don't talk about and, um, and, and figuring out like along the way, how can I pray for you? What are some of the goals that you have over the next six weeks? How can I hold you accountable to that? And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I want to continue to just be remembered as a person that's been a great friend and a, uh, a really strong connector and, and at the end of the day, like, is here to serve um, above all else. And so, you know, that trumps money or any of those things for me. It's like money's not my motivator, impact is. And, uh, and legacy, you know, over time is, is like, it, what is it? If your legacy is you have a whole bunch of money, but your kids don't know who you are, uh, mm-hmm. when you leave this earth is like, is it worth it? And so uh, right. my answer is no, I want, I want to be that person that's, you know, playing right. catch in the backyard with, with my kids and, and getting to take them to their dance recital or the soccer game or whatever right. it, that is. And so, um, you know, just being a, a person that that is heavy in, uh, heavily involved in their relationships and and is known for the kindness and and kind of the uh, the bright disposition that that I have and I want to just be a, a light to people and, and bring positivity to everyone's lives, make everyone's lives a little, little bit easier. If I can take some of that pain uh, from them and and even, you know, harbor some of that of, of my own, you know, from them, like I'm willing to do it. Uh, I'm, that's just kind of who I am and who I've always been. So
1: I love it, brother. It's 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 so funny that even your friend group is a mini mastermind, it sounds like.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. 100%. You turned it into that. I love it. But I mean it's a legacy of service of value and or I'm sorry, service of love and connection. You know, and I think you are one of those people, you're a connector, you know. And so I think you're gonna have a no issue creating that legacy. So thank you. Thank
0: you. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to just keep chugging along, keep pushing towards that. And, and, you know, we're never finished product over here, but we're working each day to to continue to try and, you know, bring more love than than pain to people in our lives. So.
1: I love it, brother. If you guys want to get in contact with Tyler, just look at the show notes there. We're going to have links for you to be able to get in contact with him. My man's always posted value on Facebook. Uh, and so, check him out there. Make sure you follow him and keep him in mind for your next event. I appreciate you coming on the show, Tyler. Dude, thank you for having me. I appreciate you as always. All right, let's get building. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? you learn from the greats join us at the million dollar mastermind put on by ryan stewman in frisco texas and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader the link will be in the description below as always we ask that you like share and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the building great sales teams podcast let's get building